This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and I am here with Dr. Susan Kleiner. I think one of the things that's funny that people don't know is that we, we always say Sundays with Dr. Susan Kleiner because it just kind of has the, the ring to it. That's right. Um, but, but it is a Saturday. Sometimes we do it on Wednesdays. Um, <laughs> and, and so, uh, you know, if you don't know me, I'm Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform. I, I, I run the, the roost over here. Uh, if you're looking to become an e Perform member, you can do that at, at www.eToPerform.com. Um, Susan, why don't you talk to them a little bit uh, about where they can can reach you and, and the various uh, books and such that they might want to look into to start their relationship. Yeah, so I've been a sports nutritionist since before the term sports nutrition was born. That's how my PhD is in nutrition and uh, human performance. Um, I have been able to work in all areas of sports from elite uh, pro Olympic athletics to the everyday athlete uh, in every sport you can think of and people who just wanna stay healthy and fit and be able to perform at peak levels, whether you're in the boardroom on the court or in the bedroom. So <laughs> it's in all walks of your life. Um, I have a book called The New Power Eating and it is the fifth edition of a legacy title from Power Eating. And uh, it's uh, kind of a culmination of all the things that I do with my clients from both brain and physical health, strength and power, uh, cutting fat, gaining energy. And um, it's available on my website, and you can find me at drskleiner.com, D-R-S-K-L-E-I-N-E-R.com. Please purchase the book, write in a nice review on Amazon. <laughs> Help me out. Uh, yeah, times well, are you, lean you, right now, right, <laughs> for booksellers. Yeah, you, you, didn't, you didn't mention that they can just get it on Amazon. I think the, yeah. I think it's... Um, you know, as much as you may or may not like, you know, Amazon as a whole, it does, uh, it does make things very accessible for people, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, Susan, I, I, I don't, we've never really even talked about why you're not super specific about um, it. I'm assuming it's because sometimes you've worked with people in the past and maybe don't work with them now. So kind of referencing them might not make sense. But when you follow Susan, what you see is that, you know, she gets shout outs from some of the best athletes in the world, you know, um, and, and, and that's fairly impressive because, you know, the way that I met Susan um, is someone said to me that Susan was the only person that was saying what I was saying, like from a standpoint of eating an adequate amount for what you do and the majority of that time um, that, that I would say that Susan actually, we deal with a little bit more on the dieting side. She, she doesn't really even play in that realm. Right. Um, because for many of you out there who've been dieting since you were maybe eight years old, right. You don't even really know what the full expression of you as a human being is. Right. Cause I certainly didn't know it, you know, and, and I actually had to kind of piece together 
um, a coalition of people that kind of knew what Susan knew. I would love to have started with Susan because I think I would have gotten <laughs> to a farther place. You know, for people that don't know my journey, you know, I lost over 100 pounds eating 5,000 calories a day, right? And they go, wow, man, you must have worked out a lot. I did, but not as much as you would think, you know. Um, I certainly would be a lot smarter about the way that I do things now. I was really, uh, the way that I do things now is much smarter and not harder, you know. Um, I recently realized that I've put on 40 pounds of muscle, right, um, since I started. So that's an example of, of smarter is better than harder, you know, and, and the narrative out there is, is always harder, you know, and, and that's just not how we reach our full expressions as human beings. And so today we're going to talk about a, a really interesting thing. And I'm going to say something that, that I've never said before, but the topic is going to be pregnancy, right? Um, but before we get into that, you know, Susan lives on the West Coast, and I think for people that live in the Midwest or, or people that live on the East Coast, we do not have kind of this relationship with what's going on over there. And at the, you know, ultimately, like, it's, it's, it's wild. It's different level wild. You know, Susan sent me a picture yesterday where it, it's like fog that you can't even, you know, it's hard to even see while driving right? And, and she's not even in the midst of it, right? She's in, she's in the Seattle area, and that's in Oregon, you know? And, right. and, and eastern, in eastern Washington, yeah. 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 Eastern and central Washington, yeah. It's, it's amazing how far and wide the reach of the smoke goes because of the direction of the winds. And so um, it's a massive smoke cloud that is currently over Seattle. And really, I hesitate to sound like I'm complaining because we are essentially safe as long as we don't go outside. Our houses are not burning down. Um, we, you know, our lives are not at, at immediate risk. Um, the, there are whole towns burning down. There's, I mean, this is, this is a, a catastrophe truly of biblical proportion um, and clearly some due to, you know, uh, you know, at the top of the chain is climate change and right underneath that is our unpreparedness for it. Um, but what's happening here is that, for instance, uh, the last two days and going out probably at least another couple of days, it is dangerous to be outside and breathe. We are at red levels of danger. Um, I have three air purifiers running in my house and two are industrial strength because we brought them from my husband's dental office where they run all the time during the week. <clears throat> we have no, and in Seattle, much of the Pacific Northwest, people do not have air conditioning. In, in homes that were built certainly before the 21st century. And so we keep our windows open. It's cool at night. We don't have, you know, air filter, fan humidifier stuff attached to our furnaces. We don't have what most typical homes across the Midwest have been built with for many years. And I grew up in Cleveland 
I didn't grow up with whole house air conditioning, but in the 50s, they were starting to build homes that had that. So, um, so the, the, or maybe the 60s, but the, the issue is it is impacting our lives. And I have two daughters who are in their 20s who live locally, work from home, fortunately. Um, we are each in our own COVID bubbles. And so when I see them, I see them on the deck. We sit socially distanced with our masks on. Um, we feel safe to eat outside together and take our masks off because we're far enough away and we're outside. Well, we can't do that this weekend because we can't be outside. So it's pretty, you know, these are, these are, Definitely first world, highly privileged problems. I recognize that, but it's just to broadcast the, the depth of if I am inconvenienced and have to beware of my health and cannot go outside, certainly not without an N95 mask on, what is happening to, to the average population, the person who does not have the access and the privilege that I have, and I am well aware of that. And so, yeah, this is a this is a really big deal. Um, we are at the edge of the pain, um, but the pain is deep and very frightening. Up and down the Midwest, up and down the the Western Corridor, into um, Eastern Washington, Eastern you know, sort of Central Washington, Central Oregon. It's very, very frightening. Well, I mean, it sounds it. And the pictures and the images that people are seeing, I just don't, you know, unless you know someone, right, that is from there, you know, we're just all distanced from it. And there's just all these other things that are going on in most people's lives, whether it be COVID, whether it be you know, like in the South, there was, there was hurricane, double hurricanes, you know, right, um, right. beaten down. I, it just feels, <laughs> I mean, you know, there's all these talks about 2020 and, and how bad it is. And, and then every time you think that, hey, we might be getting out of this, um, something more extreme happens, you know, so. Well, we've been, we've been told, and this has been going, these fire seasons, these big fire seasons that, We've always had fire seasons in the West. Um, there have always been forest fires. They could be managed typically. Occasionally one or several would get out of control, but they didn't impact <clears throat> the way they are and they were never as out of control and as enormous and deadly as they are. And now we know after this is about the third year that the consecutive year of this, now we're being basically told, expect fire season every year. So last year it was most of August. Um, this year it's, it's in September. Um, it's, a, it, it's very difficult um, to, to understand that our lives going forward, we now will have, <laughs> I mean, we don't really have four seasons in the Pacific Northwest. We basically have winter and summer. And summer is typically, 
you know, half of the end of July, August, and half of September. So when you think about that's our best weather, that is also going to be fire season moving forward. Well, you know, just to kind of move on to the topic, because I think you right. described it really well, um, is that I was, I was on Vancouver Island it was probably five years ago. Um, and uh, this was that, that one year that, that was major heat wave went through on the Pacific Northwest. Um, and certainly they were seeing, you know, 95 hundreds, you know, on Vancouver Island. Which, which is was, very unusual, extreme yeah. weather, yeah. Yeah, and, and, uh, and so I can attest that not one place had air conditioning. You know, um, and it was, it was, it was brutal. And, and obviously, you know, like you said, on a high level, um, climate change has been a big, a big part of that, right? Well, um, and going to our topic today, now we can't go outside. Now we can't exercise outside. Now you can't go for a walk. So we can't go to gyms. Uh, yeah. And we can't, and, and the opposite was available here. And we're an outdoor world here in the Pacific Northwest. People are like, well, that's cool. I can be outside. It doesn't matter what the weather is in March or April. And so we have been exercising and congregating outside, um, you know, social distancing. It's a, it, we, this is a, we're doing really well with our numbers, by the way, um, a smart society that that has really embraced health and safety. Um, however, now we can't go outside either. So now it's exercise in your home, and particularly in our topic today, if you're pregnant, definitely don't go outside. So, yeah, I mean it's um, you know, there was a lot of talk about like unity and things of this nature. Um, and and one of my friends kind of commented that that it's kind of frustrating that there isn't more unity um, as Americans, and it was just hard to not think that we've had a lot of opportunities for unity, right? I mean, we all experienced COVID on the on the West Coast, like you said, outdoors wise. Um, your Patagonias, your North Face, those are all companies, Columbia. Um, those are all companies that started in the Pacific Northwest, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And and they're gigantic brands. Um, but but I still I still feel like there is an opportunity for unity related to a lot of this stuff because I, um, while I didn't live in New Orleans at that time, my family is from New Orleans and and during Katrina. And if you go to New Orleans right now, you know it's just different. You know, uh, they, they've rebuilt that city in a way that no one could have imagined. And so I still, you know, even through these tough times and things of this nature, a lot of times the after effects of it, you know, is unifying for a community, right? And um, I think that there is some opportunity for all of us. You know, I'm at, you know it, it's, it's, it sounds weird, but I know that you and I have both worked with Olympians. Um, I'm optimistic for 2021. I, I'm really hoping that that event specifically can, you know, we, we all rally around, around our own, you know, and I, I think we might need that, you know. I, I think that might be one of the things that kind of gets us all back together. 
Okay, so so we work with a lot of pregnant clients. There's some things that we started talking about in last week's podcast, um, or actually maybe it was the one from two weeks. I, I meant to do them in, in the reverse order. I was going to do the sleep first and then do the um, world's toughest race second. But the world's toughest race came out so well. And I just wanted you to know that we had so many eat performers that were like, I'm an adventure racer. You ah, know? And, and like, it's so, it was so amazing to hear you guys talk about this. And, you know, you literally addressed every single question that I had, you know? Um, <laughs> and so, so that was kind of fun. Um, and, and, you know, it really is amazing. Like you probably don't feel this even as much as I do, you know, that, that a lot of what we talk about affects a lot of people, you know, I mean, you know, we're, we're a relatively small podcast, but, you know, we still get 5,000 downloads for each one, you know, um, kind of right out the gate, you know, and so it does, it does affect a lot of people. And this is the part I was, I, I've never said, right, and then I'm gonna say, and people can take issue with it if they want, but I think that, uh, the preponderance of dieting has is largely especially as it relates to women um a result of pregnancy i believe that a large percentage of women start with this idea what they're supposed to weigh right and then you know their weight goes up and they struggle with that for a very very long time right and I believe that that actually fractures some family when it gets to like this acute level. Um, fundamentally, you know, we're going to talk about the numbers to kind of back up what we're, we're the case we're making here. But when you start off pregnant and then after pregnancy, you're a fundamentally different person, not, not a fundamentally overweight person a fundamentally different person. And that's the argument that we're going to make here because, or at least the argument I'm going to make, Susan can have, you know, she'll have her opinions on what we're talking about. But, but what you need to know is that, you know, and, and one of the things that Susan mentioned at the end of the toughest um, race podcast is that pregnancy is a highly anabolic moment in your life right? And what that means is, is as you're growing another human being, you have the potential to gain muscle, right? And a lot of muscle. And, and we kind of brought this up because this was a few years back. Well, there was, okay, so, so the reason why we did it. So there was, there was a woman that I was working with and she was very muscular CrossFit athlete, right? And uh, she was. She also had two kids, and she was really struggling with the weight she wanted to be compared to the weight that she was now, right? And she had body fat tests throughout that whole process. This was the first one, and um, so I looked at her body fat test and I looked at her lean mass, and. Um, her lean mass, as I recall, you know, was about 120. And then um, the lean mass that she had right now was 
was 132. So, you know, let's not have the argument, right, related to body fat testing and things like that and the, and the issues related to some of that because I think that that will cloud the issue a little bit more than it needs to. But she has to, she, you know, the thing that I brought to her attention is that she was trying to get back to her pre-pregnancy weight, but she had 12 pounds more muscle, right? So at the, when you look at it, you have to go, well, I, I have 12 pounds more muscle. So, so I would have to eat through 12 pounds of muscle. And that was a light bulb moment for her. You know, like, like we had been doing all this work related to fat loss and, and things of this nature. And, I, and I'd been making the case. I'm like, I can see you. Like this was the person that I was working with in real life. You know, I was like, I can see you. You are lean. You are muscular. You are powerful. You lift great weights. You know, I don't understand this obsession with getting back to this pre-pregnancy weight. You know, when obviously it's it's not it's not a real issue for you. It was it was a it was a made up thing. Right. So, so it's also, I mean, it's not always, I know I'm going to go, uh, you know, interrupting you and I'm sorry, no, but go I'm going to say it anyways. <laughs> so, so I would argue it isn't necessarily pregnancy and there's a whole lot of issues around um, today with the number of very young girls and, and long before they are even pubescent that are overweight, over fat, particularly. And that I think the pregnancy weight is, may, may soon become obsolete as the reason that people get thrown off course because 70% of our population is over fat and 40% of children. So, um, but, but, in, in this case in particular, it is no different than, I think I've told the story at least once on this podcast about my Olympian athlete that I worked with, a female, who had won a gold medal at 20 years old, was preparing for the Olympics four years later, and in between time had worked with one of the best strength and conditioning coaches you could ever work with in her sport and had put on a significant amount of muscle. She was so much stronger, so much well-prepared, and now in a 24-year-old body. A massive difference in any average woman between 20 and 24. This is now a woman who took advantage of what her body could do during those years, still anabolic years, still building years. And as she was preparing to go back to Rio, was frantic that she couldn't win again because she wasn't at the same weight that she was at when she won her gold medals four years before and stopped eating and stopped eating carbs to drop down to that weight when her performance by all measures was better than it had ever been, but she tanked it because she was trying to get back to that weight that had no relationship to anything she was trying to accomplish. And so 
that's where I came in and, and it became, we turned things around, but it is, it is, it can be some random thing. Yes. Pre-pregnancy weight for women who are athletic. I think I agree with you. Women who have kept themselves fit. It, it's just a moment of disruption. Um, and, and as you said, that they don't see puts them at an advantage, not a disadvantage. And I think that's what you're trying to say. But yeah, I mean, sorry. at the end, of, you know, ultimately, um, there's very few moments that that allow you to build the kind of muscle that that woman built. And then what was interesting is that we we actually redid the experiment, right? With with ultimately what was about eight um, eight performers through one pregnancy cycle. Right. And the least muscle gained was five pounds. The most muscle gain was 11 pounds. Wow. And um, now these are, like you're saying, active people, things of this nature. And I agree with you that, you know, the concept of being over fat and, and those are all big societal issues and, and things of that nature. But you and I don't work with regular people. Right. Mm -hmm. Like like. One of the big advantages, you know, of, you know, being, I don't know, slim fast or Weight Watchers or Noom, right, is because you will sometimes get clients that have never dieted in their life, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we see this with the marketing in Eat to Perform. And, you know, one of the reasons why we are able to succeed you know, is because we have lots of levels of, of success. But at the end of the day, people kind of really are interested in, can you take me all the way? Now, that doesn't mean that some people might compromise and go, hey, look, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, you know, I just want to see more muscle on my frame, I want to be more active, I want to be available for my kids and things like that. Eight pack abs probably isn't going to happen for me. But I know because you can get that person APAC abs, right, that you can keep me healthier than maybe this narrative of eat less and do more, right? Mm -hmm. And that, that the things that you're saying resonate with me. And that's who I want to be. Ultimately, I, I, I would like to have less fat, but I would also like to be a more capable human being, right? And, and capable is relative. Like the other day I met um, a disabled person, right? And uh, I don't know, uh, you know, it wasn't particularly clear, but he was in kind of this wheelchair and his activity was gardening. By the way, if you're not familiar, gardening is one of the best activities that you can have as it relates to moving your body around and things of this nature. So, he has this one garden, it's a flower garden, lots of sunflowers and things like that. It's just amazing. You know, we, we went and had pizza. My wife and I go to this pizza place. We're going there tonight. We go every weekend. Um, we go there because there's not a lot of places that actually know your order when you walk through the door and know your <laughs> name, right? Like if I, if I was to tell every restaurant, hey, you want to know how to get better? Just know people's order, know their name right? It's clearly a priority for this place, right? So across the street, there's this garden and we go into this garden and it's full of amazing sunflowers. Sunflowers are my, 
my special flower. I, I grew them when I was a kid. I just always loved them and always will love them. Um, so we see this person, he's talking to his friend. He's in like one of those little scooters, right? Um, to get around. And, and my, my wife and I are just like having the most amazing, we met these people two minutes ago, right? And having the most amazing um, discussion. One of the things that when I say about being capable to the ability that you are is that there are people with disabilities that, that feel offended by that, right? Like, like somehow I'm saying that they're less capable. This Chris person is an exact example of what I'm talking about, right? He then brought us to another garden, right? That is just his garden, right? And it was full of all these flowering kales and, and you know, it was just a, a garden in the city and it was beautiful. And my wife and I were like, how the hell did he do this, right? I mean, like he would have had to get out of the chair, you know, move around in this garden, which was spacious, you know, and full of edible foods. You know, we got kale. Um, there was uh, Swiss, you know, Swiss chard. Um, there was lots of, of things that when I was, I was big into juicing at one point and um, we juiced a lot of those um, things. And so when I say capable, that's what I mean right? It's like that ultimately what we're all trying to do, you know, is be more capable so that we live longer. And that's why I think pregnancy in particular for women, you know, now there's another case that you didn't mention that is actually probably more um, anabolic than, than, you know, it probably reaches up to pregnancy, but not everybody's pregnant all the time, right? is being underfed. I can't tell you how many people that have come to us, you know, they've been dieting for 30 years, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, their, their weight is, is, is stable, but, but their pictures are unreal, right? So the, they're measuring and then their pictures look unreal. And I was like, you know, maybe you should go for a body fat test, right? This is a common thing. You know, and, and I'm very conflicted by body fat tests. I think sometimes it becomes a distraction that isn't necessarily healthy. You know, I also don't think as an example that you should take progress pictures every day, you know, that, that you have to allow for moments in time. And so the most I would recommend is once a month, but I think three months is actually more reflective of change, right? And, and that would be the same idea with body fat. But underfed people put on more muscle than you could ever imagine. And I know you know this, but most people don't, right? If, if you've been working out, you know, doing weightlifting, crossfitting, F45, whatever it is you do, you know, boot camp, and, and um, you are, you know, been eating less for a really long time, when you start to eat an adequate amount for what you do, your body starts to see changes real quick. Last thing I'm going to say in this regard, and this is a hard concept for people to, to understand, but, but, but pregnancy actually illustrates it, right? Why did the one person gain 11 pounds over 
two kids, the other person gained 12 pounds. Well, one of the dirty little secrets related to muscle gain is that you should weigh more, right? There's a lot of people that make an argument or try to talk about recomp and, and things of that nature. And, you know, that's the way that most clients would like to work, right? They would like to stay the same weight and then gradually have less fat. <laughs> it's, it doesn't really work that way efficiently. If you want to put on a significant, so, so I think I talked about it, right? Where, um, you know, I put on 40 pounds of muscle. The big secret to the 40 pounds of muscle is not the deadlifts, is not the squats. It's, it's the 40 pounds, right? It's the, it's the allowing myself to go up to where my body, it was really funny because throughout all of my life, you know, I'd always kind of gravitated to about this 180 to 185 level right? Um, right now, 200 pounds, you know, and in that 200 pounds, I've been able to put on a significant amount of muscle. And so if I want to cut, you know, I'm not being capable to me is more of my focus, right? Like, like, you know, I was obese, right? So, so I look amazing, you know, my, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when, when I take my clothes off, I look like I lift weights, you know, I, I don't have the same fascination with, you know, seeing spleen striations, right? Like mm -hmm. that. I, and, and I've seen it where people, and, and trust me, I had to get past that point because I think, I think a lot of people that lose weight do what I did, right? Where they're like, well, you know, I'm at a relatively healthy weight now. I look great. Um, but man, sure would be nice to see those spleen striations. And then what you realize is that to see the spleen striations, it's like a whole other journey, right? And, and what, what I didn't realize as I was going to 7 and 8% body fat was just, it was, it was almost more difficult than than the journey just to get you know lean right like like just getting to say 15 percent like i would say it took me probably about a year to get to well i started i started at um 32 it took a year it, it probably took me about nine months to get to 15 and then the next three months to get to seven or eight but those those three months were brutal well, because yeah. you went from moving toward health to moving away from health. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, no, I no, I have to stop you. Um, my eye was twitching. Um, I couldn't sleep. Right now, now that wasn't from dieting. I was still eating five thousand calories. Right, there was only it was only about a two week period where I lowered things to get to the seven to eight level. But, but other than that, I was eating 5,000 calories, but I was working out all the time, right? right? I was working out, I was doing three days, you know, like, like all level of craziness. I read this great article um, that talked about this, right? And then the all in and, and things of this nature and how, how it's kind of a negative um, and, and how you can do it once, but, but then you fire it up again and it's not there. I think that happens for a lot of people like me. Mm -hmm. And so, so I'm really happy 
that I've been able to allow myself to to not have this really rigid approach. Obviously, I'm pretty smart um, as it relates to some of this stuff. But mentally, it's really difficult sometimes to allow yourself to be a little bit heavier as as it relates to adding more muscle. You know. So but, so a lot of it is um, the the external images that we see and. I say dated images of women, even though they're still currently uh, around in the media, and the ability to really embrace and be proud of the accomplishment of building muscle and how that changes your body shape. And your body shows off the hard work that you've done, um, some people more than others. And we know genetically some people just gain muscle like crazy and other people work much, much, much harder. Uh, and I have worked hand in glove with people of everywhere from one extreme to the other. And some people will get ripped and, and some people never will get ripped. And, and there's that. So the, the, goal of of best health of high performance to me is the ultimate goal just like in pregnancy the ultimate goal is that healthy baby but you can blend that goal with healthy mom at the same time for you to come out better than you went into it stronger than you went into it and therefore making even more nutrition available to your baby at the same time and taking care of your body as well as you can or, or maximizing, maximizing the opportunity. And that's kind of, that's the, the world I live in is maximizing the opportunities in front of you. Sometimes you can create new opportunities, but most people can't. Mostly you gotta work with what you've got. And so how do you maximize those opportunities? So, so there's two things that I wanted to, to, to address that you said, right? The first is some people gain muscle easily. I agree with you that if you are operating at a deficiency, you start to eat a regular amount of food, or maybe you hadn't worked out with weights and now you start to work out with weights, that you can do that. The majority of people say that what they mean is, is I gain weight easily. I don't know if, if, if well, this not is, in my world, but yeah, yeah, the, right, the, but, the average person. Yeah. And, and so I think what happens for a lot of people is, is especially just the average person is that as they start, like I would, I, I used to talk about this all, all the time, the CrossFit 10, right? Like if you never, um, if you've never lifted weights in your life, you're going to be really frustrated when you start CrossFit, right? Because you're not going to lose weight. You know, you're going to go, man, I'm working out harder than I ever have. And then you go, holy cow, you know, I've gained 10 pounds of muscle, right? And that happens really with anything. Like the, the thing that, that's kind of interesting about like keto and, and intermittent fasting and macros and all these different ways to do things is what people don't realize 
is that you would get a similar result doing just about anything, right? But, but it's the most extreme thing that is attractive to you because you want to get back to normal and then eat like a normal human being. And there's probably going to have to be some interventions, right? You know, because I, I know for me, you know, um, I had to come with like a, a thought process that had to change, right? I had to get to a place where, you know, I had to have better habits and I just couldn't eat the way that I did. And, and, and a lot of it just came from eating too many calories um, all at once, right? And just had mm -hmm. to start spreading them out. But I think the other thing that is really sad to see when you work in this space is that there are women that will stop breastfeeding um, to lose weight right and i think that the majority of women as they're going through pregnancy work very hard to work against that narrative in their head that they're gaining too much weight and things of this nature because I, I deal with a lot of pregnant moms right and and you know it's a conversation that i'm having the whole time and as long as they stay active what I know for fact is not even questionable is that the moms that stay active during their pregnancy to whatever ability they can do, their ability to recover afterwards without having to deprive themselves of food happens really well. And the more capacity that you have, the more ability that you have to recover. This is, this is the argument for capacity all the way through every single portion of your life. The right. more capacity you have, the more effect that you can have on body composition, health, gaining muscle, all these different types of things. And so I, I think that when you don't know that you've gained, you know, and oh, by the way, this is an interesting part. And I'm pretty sure Susan's gonna back me up on this. Um, if you're not, go ahead, say your story, right? <laughs> You will gain muscle whether you lift a weight or not, right? Because your body is essentially a resistance tool, right? And so as you move through the world, now you won't gain the 11 pounds that the one lady gained who lift weights, but you will gain probably four to five pounds, right, of, of muscle, right? Um, and, and you, you, you kind of have to understand that. You know, there's a lot of obese people that think they have bad metabolisms. Well, you can, you can affect your metabolism negatively by undereating, but if you are overeating or eating a relatively normal amount of calories, your metabolism is probably better than most people's metabolism because the way that you measure metabolism, we've talked about this multiple times, is the amount of lean mass that you have and then the amount of food that you eat, right? That's a simple equation, right? There's more things involved. Um, thoughts on that? Because, because I, think that, I think that even if you're listening to this and you don't lift weights, you're thinking that doesn't apply to me. Okay, it does apply so the best, the best illustration of what you're saying is the work that, um, 
can't think of his name right now. Is it Eric Martinez with the with the uh, uh, weight vest? So training with a weight vest is amazing, and adding the weight vest and wearing it all day long helps people drop weight because they are burning more calories all day long and they have to gain the muscle to walk around with that weight all the time. When you are pregnant, you are basically living progressive resistance training. Progressive resistance training means that you progressively add weight and do resistance training exercise or strength training exercise. And so as the baby grows and all the tissues that you add on your body to support pregnancy, you are adding weight progressively over nine months and your body responds by building muscle to be able to walk around and carry that weight day in and day out. Just as an overfat person has more weight to carry around and they build the muscle to do so. So yes, um, overweight and obese people typically do have more muscle on their frame than the average person at their height, at that same person's height at a relatively lower body fat. They will have less muscle as well because they're not walking around carrying that much weight. What if you carried a watermelon, <laughs> a great big, huge, you know, 20 pound watermelon all day long, every day, you would gain muscle just by doing that, your strength training. And so all those factors are one. They're the same. Yeah. You, so you don't know this about my training, but I do a lot of rucking, right? Mm -hmm. um, sure. Sure. Because I'm big. I'm, I, 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 you know, for a while there, this was probably four years ago. Um, I got very interested in the ability to just walk out of my door and do a marathon. Right. And so um, every Sunday I would, I would work up to like a little bit more and I would do one kind of, what do they call it? Tempo like run yeah. in the middle of the yeah. week. Um, and, I, and I worked up to, to uh, roughly 20 miles, like 20, 22 miles. Um, and um, was, was, was just amazing. If you know anything about me, I've had my ankle torn off of my leg you know um the um yeah well i was in a motorcycle accident oh um, right 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 i don't know if you knew that but um so so what happened was is i just started dealing with like major you know uh what is it, arch issues and, and things of this nature mm -hmm. and no amount of you know working through plantar fasciitis exercises and stuff like that really helped and so that's when i started moved to rucking right and mm -hmm. just doing um that for kind of my cardio and then try to have you know some one or two high intensity i mean the way the the way that my training has changed um from my all-in time where i went to 149 and a half to what it is right now at 200 is unreal different mm -hmm. and it's what i wanted my body to be you know I mean, I didn't want my body, you know, I didn't want to wake up every day with my eye twitching um, because I was working out way too much. I wasn't getting near enough sleep and I was living off of caffeine. 
um, to, to now where I, you know, last night I was able to sleep in almost nine hours, you know, um, for someone that was a former insomniac that struggles with sleep. That's what we were talking about in the last podcast. You know, those things are like miracles for me, you know, um, and, and a lot of it is just kind of the, the right approach. And I think, you know, kind of getting back to the pregnancy discussion and, and trying to take like a, a, a realistic approach to what that looks like, what's good for the health of the baby. Um, we also need to talk about, about pre-pregnancy, right? So, so one of the things that I often hear um, related to pregnancy um, is, is weight. Now, certainly if you're obese, you know, then you would want to listen to a doctor, probably much more than a guy on the internet. What I can tell you though, is there are a lot of ethereform babies, like a lot, right? Because what happens when your body starts to get fed properly, a lot of things work better, right? So many right. of the issues you might have hormonally and stuff like that. Now, I'm not saying, you know, if you start eating more, you're going to, and, and working out more and things of this nature, that you're um, necessarily going to get pregnant. I'm not, I'm not trying to sell you some snake oil here, but what I am saying is that the environment for your body to be able to um, live in a healthy way Food is much more of the answer than it is part of the problem, right? And so, especially if we're talking about kind of the foods that, that Susan's talking about in her books and in the things that we recommend to people, you know, we're really talking about whole foods, whole grains, adequate amounts, right? Things that allow you to, to kind of build this muscle. So, so that's really, and I'm going to let, let Susan finish off the podcast, but but what we really wanted to say to you is that a lot of what you're thinking is kind of this box that is trapping you into not reaching where you want to go. And you don't need to have that box, right? Because, you know, when you really look at it, you know, your body is trying to grow. Like you're a 20 person, 20 year person athlete. Um, that 24 was performing great and then kind of sabotaged by, by under eating um, in theory to perform better. There is some argument for that, right? We both know examples where, where that is important, but it's very rare that it's important in a very fit athlete at 24. But your body for the rest of your life is trying to keep you alive right? And part of keeping you alive is going to be holding on to the things that keep you alive, like muscle and bone density and, and, and things of this nature. So your body actually wants you to grow or stay the same, right? Most of the time. And much of your physiology is going to work in that direction for the rest of your life, right? I mean, I kind of make this joke all the time that your body is constantly trying to kill you, right? But it's also constantly trying to save you. And when you are underfed, especially later in years, I get really concerned about, well, I don't need to get concerned about it because I don't, I don't 
you know, put my aging clients through endless dieting cycles, right? There's a, there's a great woman, uh, client of mine, she lives in Thunder Bay, right? Which is not far from where I live here in Minnesota. And I inherited a lot of stuff, right? Related to this client who's been dieting for a long time. And I could not be more proud of her because, well, one, she's not over fat, right? Like you were mentioning earlier. Um, but also every time I talk to her, I feel like I'm saving her life just a little bit more, right? Because the messages that she got in the 60s and 70s as the Weight Watchers and some of this stuff, you know, we're, we're kind of peeling back that onion, right? And every now and again, I get her a little bit more food. And I'm just going to tell you that she'll run rings around most women her age, right? Um, but she's going to run rings around them better now because she's being fed better. Now, the compromises that we make as a coach, you know, I probably made more compromises than Susan would make just because she's dealing with a higher level athlete most of the time, is you've got to play this game of what the client's comfortable with and, and, and you kind of have to push them beyond their comfort level, right? That's the box concept. The, the, the where you want to go is outside of the comfort level, the, the box that's holding you in. And that's really what, you know, I think happens with pregnant moms is, is they don't realize that their body naturally wants to grow, right? And then naturally wants to save them, naturally wants them to have more muscle. I mean, one of the great things about, you know, where we live and we'll look back at this time and go, that time changed everything. And frankly, Instagram changed everything. You know, my daughter mentions this to me all the time. And I know this, we, we always want to do these short and they always end up going long. But my daughter mentions this all the time that, that on Instagram, it's really hard to show yourself running, but it's very easy to show yourself lifting weights. And it's also very easy to show that you have muscle. And so, you know, the things that exist right now, the workouts that women are doing now, 10 years ago, those were, that was absurd. You know, it was not, it was not, but, but, but women are seeing the embodiment of what they want, right? And oh, by the way, here's a secret that maybe you don't know. All of the women that say, you know, I don't want to look like a man, talk to me when you start putting on some of that muscle, right? Because every woman that I know that lifts weights and realize how difficult it is to get those kinds of physiques, they have great pride in that amount of work that they put in, right? And I've, I've seen, I mean, I had this one lady um, and her, her husband, um, was kind of giving her some bad messages of, of the things that she said. And she's like, get over it, buddy. This is who I'm going to be, you know? And he got over it. And, and, and that was part of his change. And I, I've said this before. I don't think I've ever said this to you. Um, but I did not have an appreciation of strong women. I didn't really think of them one way or the other, you know? It's very difficult to be around women that are much better than you 
and then not appreciate, you know, how hard it is. Like when you work out next to someone and you see how difficult it is to get that kind of physique, you have a, a reverence for it, right? Mm -hmm. And while I, I'm not big on guys having opinions on women's physiques and things of this nature, you know, I can tell you for fact that a woman that would have been strong when I was obese and didn't work out would have intimidated me, right? And now I see women that are strong all the time. And, and I think it's a lot of it because I feel like I'm a, I'm a version of them, right? I'm a version of the work that they put in. That's the similar work that I put in. And so, so I think it comes down to appreciation of like, hey, you lift weights or hey, you run or hey, you stay active. And, and, and now it's just sort of changed this paradigm in, in my mind, you know, not that, not that it matters for most people, but I do think that that's part of the overall change that is happening with this strong woman movement, right? The Titan Games, the American Ninja Warrior, you know, um, women are, are viewing themselves differently and, and guys are going to either have to change with it or move on. <laughs> you well, know? I don't and, think we care what guys think. It just doesn't that, matter. <laughs> yeah, well, that, no, let me, let me give you the guys think argument. If you're a strong mom and your son is seeing you in the gym, I think he's going to be a little bit more inclined to be attracted to that type of person, right? Especially if you're emanating well, the impact that you have on a on a yes on a on a, a your own children, the role model that you maintain is yes that's important, but I would say from the movement of strong women, um, whether it makes you attractive or not to a man, man is not the issue. Well, I don't know that I. I don't know. I mean, I said the attractive part related to strong women in general, because I definitely would consider my wife to be one of them. Um, I think really, you know, that that's probably the wrong word there. I, I think ultimately society will adjust to what they're seeing. And so even though what you said earlier was that, you know, there's images and things of this nature, that's what I was trying to get across is that there's, the opposite happening a lot right now. You know? Oh, on and Instagram, I, I, I would agree. I think mm -hmm. societally, that's going to make a change. I, I brought out the vulnerable part and I used probably the wrong word there because it's really not about being attractive. But I do think that there's a, there's a confidence, a self-esteem issue that just kind of happens when you take your life into your own hands. Yeah, and that's right. Right. It's all it's yeah. all hard. It's all hard work. Right. All of it. Yeah. And I think that um, I mean, there it, it, it the role that the media that clothing manufacturers that, you know, what we see in social media, um, it our ability to when I started in this world. Close to 40 years ago a highly physically fit woman had a really hard time finding clothes to fit, anything to fit. Um, 
your legs were bigger, your butt is bigger, your chest is bigger, your arms are bigger than the person who was otherwise your size. And so if you were, let's say a size, let's, let's say an average um, slim woman at, at uh, you know, 120 pounds and five, 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 four, the fit strong woman was 145 pounds at five five or five four yeah and that muscle while everyone knows that the pound of muscle takes up less space than the pound of fat it's more dense um in some places in your body especially if you are athletic parts are going to be bigger and and it was very difficult. And there were, were body image issues around getting bigger in those parts for a white girl, let's say. As times have moved forward to today, where first of all, we are seeing gorgeous body images of all shapes, of all colors, from all walks of life, that clothing manufacturers, particularly the fitness industry, has embraced those shapes and the clothing to fit those shapes, we, we can accommodate that as well as we can, we can embrace it. We can flaunt it, that hard work. We can be proud of it without the struggle of clothing ourselves, no different than the great big bodybuilder dudes have a terrible time. You have to buy clothes from people who market only to bodybuilders. Does it fit your neck? Does it fit your shoulders, your chest, your arms? You've got a smaller waist, but every all your other extremities are so much bigger. So, so it's it's the ability to to live more seamlessly in your life that your training doesn't make everything else so difficult and that like you said you don't look like like an alien on the planet that that actually you can see your community online uh like yeah. you said instagram can reflect what what you are trying to do yourself what feels good to you what makes you feel better healthier etc and you can find your communities and so I, I agree with that. I think we are so much further along. I think we are blending with other communities that have always embraced uh, a different shape. Uh, and and we, are, we are learning that muscle is, is awesome. And, and that ability to even feel better in our daily life not just when you're in the gym or when you're lifting, but you live on a fourth floor walk up and you can easily run up those stairs carrying all your groceries at one time. What an awesome thing that you can, you know, that you can carry your bike up those steps. That you Or can, your child. Or as, your as, child, as right. Yeah, so, so all of these things make, 
make us um, maximize us in our own world and and allow us to be peak performers in our within our lives and and maybe extend our horizons beyond what we thought they could be because of the limitations that we had put on ourselves in the same way that stepping on the scale the only relationship between your body in that scale is gravity is is the the mass of your body and gravity it tells you nothing else about what's going on in your body and so the fact that my clients are told when I start working with them, even if our goal is dropping some weight because we're looking for a power to weight ratio enhancement, I tell them for the first couple of weeks, if you get on the scale, do not freak out when that scale goes up. When you do everything right, according to our plan, the scale will go up. You will be the most well-fed and the most hydrated you have ever been, which means your muscles are taking that up. You have the fluid vol volume you need. You will be resting better, feeling better, training better. Everything will be functioning at peak capacity and you will weigh more because you have been underhydrated and underfueled. And once your body reaches that and can accept that we're going to be here, that, that you're going to be fully fueling yourself and fully hydrating yourself. As you said, it will allow your metabolism to, to get up to full tilt. And that's when we can maximize the operations of your body to get you where you want to go. Well, and capacity goes up. You know, right, I, I, exactly. I know I said I was going to let you have the last word, but I do think that there was was something that just happened there that is like a microcosm of of the things that need to happen right the the discussions that that need to happen when you said to me you know strong women don't care how attractive you think they are right and i, I don't i don't know if you said it exactly like that you know that is a little bit of how change happens right because i explained to you what i really meant um, but also, you know, it is, it is something that, that, okay, yeah, I feel you there. That makes sense to me. You know, I already knew that I already knew, but, but maybe I'll change the way that I talk about it later. It doesn't make me weak. It doesn't make you strong. It doesn't make you know, right. These are just conversations that need to happen. And I think, I think there's way too much um digging in right as it relates to these kinds of discussions um i'm just going to tell you that i'm surrounded by all strong women right um i surround myself by women that know they can talk to me like that right um my wife is very clear that she, you, know, <laughs> you know she she can communicate with me but but also you know I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but, but, you know, either form, you know, we have roughly 50 coaches. There's only about four of us is that are dudes, you know, um, <laughs> we, we, we walk it the way we talk it, you know, and I, I think that it's important 
you know, I'm, I'm imagining that you probably had a similar discussion with your husband at, at, at different times, because, you know, the thing is, is that times change, attitudes change, but they, they never change if the person can't allow themselves to be different, right? And that's really, like I said, what, what happened to me, you know, as an unfit person, you know, it's very intimidating to be around fit people, women or men. Right. And, and you see that with a lot of people that are new to fitness is that, you know, they will come in with their predispositions and, you know, I don't want to look like that, or, or I don't think I'm capable of that. I could have never imagined where I'm at right now in terms of what I'm capable of and, and things of this nature. The more, you know, I think, I think, Humility comes down to the more humble you can be as it relates to really every part of life is the more opportunity you have to get better, you know, mm -hmm. and, and the more, you know, the less room there is for the things that you could learn, you know, and there's way too much of this digging in on all sides about all issues and things of this nature and if we ever really want to get to that place, we have to be able to have the kind of discussion where somebody can say what you said to me, you know, and, and I really hope I don't see that, you know, through a lot of podcasts in the fitness industry, you know, the podcast leaders is it's two guys talking and they're mostly talking and most of the guys that they're talking to are other guys, you know, and when they talk to, to women, they, they, they don't do 40 podcasts with that woman to where it's a free flowing conversation where the guy might say something stupid every now and again. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, you don't really say do the stupid level as much as I do. Um, but, but I'm sure there might be one or two things where, where I've been able to kind of add something to the discussion. So anyway, I thought that that was, was helpful because I think there's a lot of people, men or women um, that in their homes, you know, feel uncomfortable to bring things up, right? Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, they're worried about the reaction that their wife might have or their daughters might have. I mean, just some of the discussions that my daughters have with me, you know, I mean, I grew up in the, you know, children or to be seen and not heard. You mm -hmm. know, my daughters are not those daughters, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, and, and it's, it's, it's fun to be part of that, you know, especially as, as they've been able to, you know, become more learned and, and, and bring things to the table that, that frankly, I don't have the time to, to bring to the table because I have a business and I'm focused on all mm -hmm. this other stuff. They're being educated and they're being a, around a lot of people. And, and I, I love having those discussions, probably the same discussions that you oh, are yeah. having with your daughters, you know? Yeah. So, all right. So we'll end on that note. Um, and hopefully this is helpful because I do think that a lot of the things that we see that become kind of societal start a little bit with pregnancy. And so hopefully we brought some, another level of discussion as it relates to that to on a different way to view it doesn't mean that you can't work for optimal body composition and maybe, you, you know, you could lose some weight along the way or something of that nature. But I, I, they, I think this is the other side of the story that you might not be considering 
that hopefully helps people change their perspectives. All right. Appreciate you doing this on a Saturday and we'll talk to you later. Bye now. Take care, Paul. Stay safe too. Bye.